We are talking today with Stacy Zartler, an employment lawyer who's been very busy with her flex engagement over the last year and a half. Stacy's had to manage a variety of challenging questions in the new world of remote employment and is now keeping atop developments in employment rules and regulations as companies reopen their physical spaces. Thanks for speaking with us today, Stacy. Oh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure to do so. Great. We'd love to hear your take on some of the hot topics that employers have to navigate as they reopen their offices, specifically handling vaccination status and expectations around remote versus hybrid versus in-office policies. And maybe to kick us off, I'll share what I've heard in the news from the banking industry in the last two days. Most big banks want their employees back in the physical offices, some or most of the time. I heard that Morgan Stanley is mandating that their employees be vaccinated if they are to come into the offices. So there will be no masks or distancing required in those offices. Differently, JP Morgan said that they will survey their employees and those who are not vaccinated or choose not to declare will have to be tested, wear masks, and keep distance. These anecdotes illustrate the variety of challenges around vaccination and work location policies. Given that you and I are both in California, we can discuss how this state is managing new COVID guidelines, how the state rules are affected by national guidelines from the CDC, and the variety of questions you are getting from employers about how to manage the transition out of a pandemic work environment. Yeah, those are all excellent questions, and I would be more than happy to walk through some of the major issues involved in that as the world sort of transitions into this return to work space. You know, are you going to require employees to be fully vaccinated? Are you going to allow employees in that are not fully vaccinated who may have medical or religious reasons to not get fully vaccinated? Are you going to have employees who are not fully vaccinated just continue to work from home? And if so, for how long? If you let people into the office only who are fully vaccinated, how do you deal with folks like contractors and delivery personnel? And if you have a temporary workforce, for example, how do you make sure that the employees in that temporary workforce Hmm. are also vaccinated? Right. How do you communicate that to your temporary workforce vendors? They're all fantastic questions. I'm happy to be given the opportunity to speak here with you for a few minutes on these topics. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Maybe the best advice here is be flexible because everything you try might not necessarily work and you might have to adapt based on how things develop over time. Yeah. I mean, if I could take one thing from this pandemic as advice to employers and employees, it would be be as adaptable as you possibly can. Great. Because that's all it takes. It's almost more than flexibility. The laws have changed directions. Previously, employers were focused on mandating vaccinations as a condition of coming to work. And some of that shift has focused on taking advantage of the federal and state guidelines. The example that you'd given about Morgan Stanley, I think that three weeks ago or four weeks ago, that was sort of where employers are going. We, We want a fully vaccinated office. And the reason for that, well, back then the rules have changed actually since then. And the CDC and California, Cal OSHA have come up with an entirely different schematic for employers to think about. And so the CDC guidance is if you're fully vaccinated, you can go anywhere without a mask, indoors and outdoors, and you don't have to social distance. Hmm. But the CDC has also said that if you are not fully vaccinated, you need to social distance and you need to keep your mask on, essentially indoors and out, but mostly you need to social distance indoors. So on top of that, Cal OSHA has said, you don't have to social distance whether you're vaccinated or not in an office setting. 
And so I heard that that is key. And, and that is the difference. So technically speaking, in an unusual case, we should raise the flag because the federal CDC guidance is stricter on employees movement than the Cal OSHA guidance is. Interesting. California is saying, essentially, you don't have to socially distance if you're vaccinated and you do if you don't. So what do you do if you have an office environment where you have a vaccinated employee working alongside an unvaccinated employee? And how do you deal with that? You know, so you have two masked people that can be really close and you have a masked person, and an unmasked person, and they have to be six feet apart. Two unmasked persons have to be six feet apart. And so it creates kind of a, a living dilemma. But again, going back to your example of Morgan Stanley, who is considering having a fully vaccinated work site. So here are, I think, the legal issues that arise from that. One, it's just a practical issue of how do you keep everybody who's entering your offices fully vaccinated? For example, one employer, they had a question, you know, someone comes on site and they're delivering uniforms. They usually come in and drop off the uniforms. What are they supposed to do? And so the answer was they drop the uniforms at the front door. They go back and sit in their car and call somebody and say they're being dropped off and someone comes out who's vaccinated and picks them up. I mean, it's definitely doable, but it takes an extreme amount of diligence. When I think about the context that you just described, where people are dropping off uniforms, that's one set of challenges. And then how do you deal with clients? When I think about the banks or in our context in law firms, when a client wants to come in and visit, how do you manage questions around their vaccination status and how that implicates the decisions you've made about your employees? No, and, and that's a really good question. You know, what happens if you want to have a high-level executive meeting and you have people coming in that aren't vaccinated? Mm -hmm. And in that case, if you have a fully vaccinated work environment, there's not much you can do but deny them or make an exception. So, I mean, the issue with that is as soon as you make an exception, it's essentially tainted the work area. <laughs> it, it's really very hard to have a Petri dish office that is fully vaccinated and I went through this with one of my clients where they wanted to do that. And they instituted a rule saying, if you wanted to return to work, you have to be fully vaccinated. And there were going to be no exceptions, right? And as that played out, it turned out there were contractors doing building work on site. It turned out there were people in a public area that was part of a retail store attached to the building that were coming and going. It turned out that there was a production aspect. So talent, like talented people, like let's just say Snoop Dogg as an example, he wasn't there, but talented people coming in and out of the back door who may or may not have been vaccinated. And so there was quite a number of difficulties in keeping an environment pristine like that. Hmm. Because as soon as you let one employee in, you don't have, or one customer in, or one UPS driver in, or one pizza delivery guy in, or one lunchroom caterer in, you no longer have a fully vaccinated environment. How do you verify or what are the rules around getting evidence about employees' vaccination status? Until about a week ago, there were no good answers to that. Last week, Cal OSHA published some facts, and in those FAQs were some guidelines for employers to determine that an employee is fully vaccinated. So the rule in California is that if you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And if employers want to take advantage of that rule, they need to have documentation. Cal OSHA has stated that the proof of documentation, there's three acceptable options. The first acceptable option is that employees provide a vaccine card an image of a vaccine card or another healthcare document that shows vaccination status 
and the employer keeps a copy. That's option one. Option two is that same option, except for the employee shows the card to the employer and the employer makes a record that they've seen it. That second option is like verifying in an I-9 situation. Mm -hmm. So that works similar to that. The third option is that employees self-attest to vaccination status and we keep a record of who self-attests. And most of the large employment law firms are saying that self-attestation should be in writing. And then the employer can also document it. So for example, an employer could send an email to an employee saying, you know, are you fully vaccinated? Please don't provide any other medical information. Just answer yes, no. Mm -hmm. And then those records, like all of those emails and the record of the vaccination have to be kept confidential. Mm -hmm. It's not a HIPAA protected health record, but it must be kept confidential and separate from all other documents, just like a medical note would be. And so as you go from the first option to the last option, the privacy risks Mm -hmm. decrease. Mm -hmm. So the first option has quite a number of privacy risks. If you're keeping a copy of someone's vaccination card, how long do you keep it? What do you do with it? How do you store it? How do you protect it from a subsequent data breach? Mm-hmm. right? How do you lock it? Mm-hmm. However you do that digitally, it kind of has to be kept in a lockbox, And that becomes difficult. And so a lot of employers are sort of walking down that list of three to something that would require less effort to keep in a lockbox. Yeah, really interesting. The challenge of what to do with the information when you have it and the form in which you have it is another decision to make that's not necessarily easy. One thing that I thought was very interesting was just the legal foundation for the confidence that employers seem to have that they can mandate a declaration of vaccination status. And I think you mentioned the EEOC saying it's not discriminatory to do that. I thought that was interesting just because there seems to be a consensus that employers can make that requirement. Anything you can add around, you know, why employers are so comfortable, I think is interesting to folks. Yeah, let me give you a quote from the EEOC. And the EEOC said, there's no indication that there's any federal law that would be violated by the employer asking this question, are you vaccinated? Hmm. That's a pretty simple question. So, and that's a pretty straightforward answer that would cause an employer to have quite a bit of confidence that this question can be asked. Interesting. Pretty clear and direct. Right. The the next inquiry is what happens when you ask the follow-up questions. Like why? Why not? I mean, those questions run you into trouble. Right. And and probably it's not fair to ask this, but if you're my lawyer and I'm the employer and I say I have this employee who does not want to either get vaccinated or even get tested, I want to fire this person. Can I do it safely? In other words, am I legally justified? Am I legally okay if I terminate this employee? There is risk. Employer can have a standard that is based on safety. And so the employer's essential position there would need to be requiring vaccination in our workforce eliminates the direct threat to the health and safety of our employees. You know, any employee can bring a claim for any reason, whether it's valid or not. But there's risk here that an employee would bring a claim like that. Is it your expectation that in years to come, we're going to see legal challenges brought around these kinds of issues that you're describing? I mean, that's the question of the hour, right? And because the issue hasn't been vetted through the court system, there's just risk. The Americans with Disabilities Act allows employers to have a qualification standard that's based on safety. Now, if you have a rule like that, it will tend to, you know, adversely impact or affect 
individuals who have medical conditions where their doctor has recommended they not get vaccinated. So for example, I've seen them based on the fact that someone just had COVID and they need to wait and to get vaccinated. I've seen medical conditions where someone has said, I have extreme anxiety around procedures and my psychiatrist has advised that I not get vaccinated. There's you know, people that have underlying health conditions where vaccinations are not recommended. There are people that have allergies to the ingredients in some of the vaccinations as well. And then there's individuals with religious beliefs. And so for an example, an individual that says, you know, I'm a part of this religion and this religion, we do not seek medical care. So you have this rule, you have to be vaccinated. You have employees raising their hand and I'll call them the BA accommodation. They actually have a legitimate medical reason, a doctor's note, or a good faith religious belief that they can't be vaccinated. So the obligation then, you can't just say, no, you have to look at that. If an employer has a rule like that, that tends to screen out a person with a disability, the employer is going to need to show that an unvaccinated employee would pose a direct threat to health and safety that cannot be reduced or eliminated by a reasonable accommodation. And that's the standard. And so in that case, an employer has an obligation under the law to consider accommodations that might enable that employee to either be in the workplace or even work from home. So the most common types of accommodations I've seen employers implement in this circumstance include work from home. So for instance, if it's a condition of returning to work, and an employee has worked from home for a year, that seems to be a pretty reasonable accommodation for at least some period of time. You allow the employee to work from home. They've been teleworking successfully. They can zoom into the meetings that are held on site with the other employees. The concern with that is that sometime down the road, there may be an adverse action taken against that employee, or that employee is going to feel excluded or overlooked because everybody's in the office and they're at home. Mm -hmm. So there's that issue. Other types of accommodations that employers are considering are frequent testing. If you test twice weekly, and we'll make that available to you and we'll pay for it, you wear an N95 mask or a respirator, which has proven to be more effective than the double-layered masks that we're all wearing. And then you would have to train that person on how to use it and test seal it and all of that. And to the extent possible, we will sequester you from other people. Mm -hmm. But in that scenario... If you have a rule that says, absolutely not, you're coming in, those accommodations are going to potentially pose a legal risk for you. And the key to that being that legitimate reason to not get vaccinated, as opposed to, I just don't want to, or I just don't trust the vaccine. Is that right? Right. You know, the argument that, look, the whole thing is a conspiracy. I don't want to put my body at risk because big pharma has convinced the government that they've created a vaccine that hasn't really been approved because it's only temporary use permitted. And so you're going to have those. Sure. But that's sort of the linchpin of of the issue. And I had one client that started with a fully vaccinated environment and then had accommodation procedure like this. And then the question arose is the people that didn't want to get vaccinated also didn't want to get tested. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of the same reasons for vaccination that applied to testing, especially when you're talking even about religious beliefs. And so the individuals that not get tested, you know, if you have an employee, you offer them an accommodation, which is you can come to work if you get tested and you wear an N95 mask and you, you know, eliminate as much as possible your contact with others. And they say no. The the question from an employer standpoint is, do you have a right to terminate that employee? 
You will have to prove the safety and health risk. You know, you will have to prove the validity of the accommodation you offered and the sufficiency of the accommodation you offered. And then I think an employer has a choice because of the way things are evolving. You'd have to consider, well, would you terminate an employee? Maybe you put an employee on furlough so that the employee continues to get medical benefits for a short period of time so you can reassess after because things are changing rapidly. Do you want to do the biggest hammer and terminate or would you, would you maybe want to put them in some sort of suspended status, which could be revisited periodically? Yeah, really interesting. So my understanding is that even figuring out what a face covering is, is a challenging issue. So can you speak to that? Yeah, California has just recently issued some guidance about what is and what is not a face covering. And it's pretty limited. So a face covering is defined as a tightly woven fabric or a non-woven material that has at least two layers. Hmm. It can be also a surgical mask, a medical procedure mask, or a respirator like a KN95 or a 95, Hmm. which is much more narrow, I think, than people had thought about before. I hadn't heard that, but I think it should make people appreciate what we lawyers have to do, which is define every single term, (laughs) given that it's not necessarily completely understood by everyone the same way. Yeah, exactly. Employers still have the obligation to provide face masks. So as people, you know, come back to work and employees forget them, it's important for an employer to have face masks on hand, making sure that they have a couple of weeks supply for employees available to take at the door if they're not as diligent as we would like them to be or as the law would have them be in washing their face masks or changing them every day. Yeah, interesting. Another rule in California is that if there is an unvaccinated employee in the workplace and that vaccinated employee asks for a respirator, which is sort of a high level face mask, like an N95 mask, employers are obligated to provide those to unvaccinated employees who ask. And employers are also obligated to provide basic training on how to use them. And, And there are some hazards to those as well. And so there's a fact sheet employers have to give employees who ask for these. But that's something that, you know, now employers are running around trying to stock up on N95 masks. Again, the rule two weeks ago is that they had to be provided by the end of June to all unvaccinated employees, and they had to be provided to all employees by the end of July. They backed off that rule, and they're now saying, look, if an unvaccinated employee asks for one, you have to give them one, and you have to train them on how to use it. So, yeah, yet another challenge. Yes. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us, Stacey. This has really been interesting and topical, and we appreciate you taking the time to walk us through these issues. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Linda, for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Great. Thanks. The information in this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship, nor does receipt and or listening to this podcast. Views expressed by podcast hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement or necessarily reflect the views of Fenwick & West LLP.